You're listening to Rowan Radio On Demand. Download more podcasts at rowanradio.com. The following program does not represent the views or opinions of the staff or administration of Rowan University or Rowan Radio. 89.7 WGLS-FM. Rowan Radio, 89.7 WGLS-FM proudly presents The Rowan Report, a weekly news magazine that recaps local, national, and international news that affects you. And now, the Rowan Radio News Team. Good morning, and welcome to the Rowan Report here on Rowan Radio, 89.7 WGLS-FM. I'm Riley Adams with the Rowan Radio News Team. Some of this week's headlines include Israel-Hamas protests escalating in the U.S., medics fear for patients inside Maine Gaza Hospital, and New Jersey First Lady officially announcing her bid for the Democratic nomination for U.S. Senate in next year's contest. Here's your national news recap for the week of November 12th. The Israel-Hamas war rages on as protests in the U.S. escalate. Israel has ordered Palestinians to leave four towns in the southern part of Gaza. Meanwhile, San Francisco's Bay Bridge is open after pro-Palestinian protests shut down traffic for most of the morning. President Biden says a stable relationship between the U.S. and China is good for the world economy. While speaking to government officials and industry leaders during the APEC CEO Summit in San Francisco this afternoon, Biden said he had constructive talks with Chinese President Xi Jinping. Biden says he believes Chinese Xi Jinping is a dictator. In battle, New York Congressman George Santos will not seek re-election. This comes after the House Ethics Committee released a scathing report today. They say Santos knowingly caused his campaign committee to file false or incomplete reports with the Federal Election Commission. There's a guilty verdict in for the man who attacked husband of former House Speaker Nancy Pelosi. David DePape could be seen on police video attacking Paul Pelosi with a hammer inside his home last year. DePape admitted he attacked Pelosi and apologized when he took the stand Tuesday. Former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie is slamming Donald Trump over his recent rhetoric. Christie commented on Trump's remark in New Hampshire he would root out, quote, radical left thugs that live like Vameen if reelected. Christie said Trump's use of language can incite people to weaponize the things he's saying. A mistrial was declared in the civil rights trial of Brett Hankinson, the former Louisville police officer involved in the deadly Breonna Taylor raid in 2020. After four days of deliberations, a federal jury told a judge it was deadlocked and could not reach a verdict on the two charges. Hankinson fired 10 shots into the apartment building of the 26-year-old black woman on the night of the botched drug raid. A state jury acquitted Hankinson of wanton endangerment charges. The judge in Donald Trump's Georgia election interference case is issuing a protective order for evidence following a media leak. Fulton County Superior Court Judge Scott McAfee issued an order bearing the release of sensitive evidence exchanged by lawmakers ahead of the trial against Trump and his co-defendants. The Fulton County District Attorney's Office requested the order after interviews of co-defendants Jenna Ellis and Sidney Powell were released. Trump and several other defendants are charged with crimes related to their alleged efforts to overturn President Biden's election win in Georgia. TikTok is being slammed from both sides of the aisle for allowing influencers to promote Osama bin Laden's anti-American letter released after the 9-11 attacks. It all began when 25-year-old influencer Lynette Atkins, who makes $200,000 a year for fashion and makeup tips, reposted bin Laden's letter on the China-owned app. She asks her hundreds of thousands of followers to go read it, adding she'll, quote, never look at this country the same. The White House weighed in, saying there's no justification in spreading bin Laden's lies. TikTok said on Thursday that videos promoting the letter violate the rules. The search for a man that went overboard a cruise ship earlier this week is being suspended. The Coast Guard says crews searched an area larger than the size of Connecticut, but were unable to find 28-year-old Tyler Barnett. Barnett reportedly went over a Carnival cruise ship early Monday morning, shortly after it left the port of New Orleans. The incident remains under investigation. Kaylin Armstrong was found guilty of murdering a pro cyclist who was dating her ex-boyfriend. Anna Mariah Wilson was found dead in Austin, Texas last year. She was shot three times moments after going on a date with Armstrong's on-again, off-again boyfriend. Armstrong used her sister's passport and traveled to Costa Rica, where she underwent plastic surgery and began teaching 
teaching yoga on the beach. Armstrong faces up to 99 years in prison. A sentence date has not been set. U.S. Capitol Police say the Democratic National Committee headquarters were evacuated last night after a pro-Palestinian rally turned violent. Around 150 people were outside calling for a ceasefire in the ongoing Israel-Hamas war when a clash erupted with police. At least six officers were injured, ranging from minor cuts to getting pepper sprayed, with one person arrested. The gag order against Donald Trump in his civil business fraud trial is temporarily suspended. A New York appeals judge granted a request by Trump's legal team for an interim stay of the gag order, arguing it violated Trump's freedom of speech. The former president has been fined twice for apparent violations of the order, which the judge put in place following Trump's comments attacking the judge and his law clerk. The mother of a six-year-old Virginia boy who shot his teacher earlier this year will spend 21 months in prison following her sentencing yesterday. Deja Taylor pleaded guilty in June to federal charges of using drugs while owning a gun and lying about her drug use while buying the gun. The investigation that led to those charges was prompted by the January shooting of an elementary school teacher in Newport News. An Ohio community is left reeling after school bus crash killed three high school students, a teacher, and two parent chaperones. The school superintendent in Zorville said Tuesday started as an exciting day, but quickly turned into one of the darkest days in the district's history. A man has been sentenced for attacking Minnesota Congresswoman Angie Craig in Washington, D.C. earlier this year. A federal judge gave 27-year-old Kendrick Hamlin over two years behind bars, followed by three years on supervised release. The judge also recommended Hamlin be placed in a federal medical center so he can get treatment for mental health and substance abuse issues. Hamlin assaulted Craig in the elevator of her apartment, punching her in the face and grabbing her neck until she managed to escape him. Unionized Starbucks baristas are going on strike for one day today. Thousands of employees across the nation will hit the picket line on the company's Red Cup Day, a popular promotional event when Starbucks gives out holiday-themed reusable cups. Union baristas are accusing the company of refusing to fairly negotiate at cafes that voted to organize. I'm Riley Adams, and that was your national news. I'm Gavin Trutzenbach with your international news report. All three of our international stories today are coming from Reuters. Palestinian medics said on Thursday that they are increasingly afraid for the lives of hundreds of patients and medical staff at Gaza's biggest hospital, cut off from all links to the outside world for more than a day after Israeli forces entered. Israel said its commandos were still searching through Al-Shifa Hospital on Thursday, more than a day after they entered its grounds as part of an offensive Israel says aims to wipe out Hamas militants in the Palestinian enclave. An Israeli official who declined to be identified said, the operation is shaped by our understanding that there is well-hidden terrorist infrastructure in the complex. Israel has so far released pictures of what it says were rifles and flak jackets found on the premises, but no evidence of a vast underground Hamas command quarters it said was operating in tunnels beneath it. Human Rights Watch cautioned that hospitals have special protections under international humanitarian law. The watchdog's UN director Louis Charbonneau told Reuters, Hospitals only lose those protections if it can be shown that harmful acts have been carried out from the premises. The Israeli government hasn't provided any evidence of that. The director of Al-Shifa complex, Mohammed Abu Salamiya, said the hospital was under occupation authority for 48 hours, and every minute that passes, more patients will die. He told Al Jazeera TV, we are waiting for slow death. Israeli forces brought a BBC film crew into the hospital overnight and showed it some rifles they said were found there, but the broadcaster said Israeli escorts had barred its team from interacting with patients or staff. Gaza's health ministry said Israeli soldiers had removed bodies from the hospital grounds and destroyed cars parked there, but they were not letting staff or patients leave. Ministry spokesman Ashraf Al-Kidra said there was no water, food, or baby milk in Shifa, which was packed with 650 
50 patients and about 7,000 people displaced by weeks of Israeli airstrikes and artillery bombardments. He said in a statement, medical teams, patients, and displaced people are fighting death due to the lack of any basic life necessities. The occupation forces are now present in the complex, but they did not provide any fuel for the hospital to continue work. He demanded that the Israeli troops leave. Medics have previously said dozens of patients, including three premature babies, had died from a lack of fuel and basic supplies during a days-long siege. Our next international story brings us to India, where rescue workers renewed efforts on Thursday to reach 40 men trapped for a fifth day inside a collapsed highway tunnel, though progress was slow as they began drilling through rock and soil debris. Authorities said they were confident an advanced drilling machine flown in from New Delhi would speed up the rescue at the site in the northern state of Uttarakhand. The plan is to drill and create space for a pipe that can be used by the trapped men to crawl to safety. The three-mile-long tunnel is part of the Char Dam Highway, one of the most ambitious projects of Prime Minister Narendra Modi's government. The $1.5 billion project aims to connect four Hindu pilgrimage sites through 550 miles of roads. Authorities have not said what caused the tunnel to cave in, but the region is prone to landslides, earthquakes, and floods. Drilling had penetrated about 40 feet of debris on Thursday evening, officials said, adding that they had to cover a total distance of about 200 feet. The machine can drill through about seven or eight feet of rock per hour, and had faced obstructions in the form of boulders or rods and small cement blocks, they said. Disaster management officer Devendra Singh Patwal told Reuters, there is a major challenge of keeping the alignment straight, which is the reason that it is taking a lot of time. The process will have to begin afresh if the alignment changes, he added. Now on to our third and final international story. The Philippines does not have to give China prior notice about resupply missions in its own territory in the South China Sea, saying the operations, including the upkeep of a grounded Navy ship, are legitimate its foreign ministry said on Thursday. The Department of Foreign Affairs, DFA, also called on China to remove all illegal structures it built within the Philippines' exclusive economic zone, EEZ, cease reclamation in those areas, and be accountable for the damage the activities caused. China has repeatedly accused the Philippines of illegally entering its waters without its permission during its missions to transport food and water to Filipino soldiers living aboard a Navy ship that Manila grounded at the disputed 2nd Thomas Shoal. DFA spokesperson Teresita Daza said in a statement, we are being asked to give prior notification each time we conduct a resupply mission to Ayungan Shoal. We will not do so. China claims sovereignty over nearly the entire South China Sea, pointing to a line on its maps that cuts into the EEZs of Vietnam, the Philippines, Malaysia, Indonesia, and more. Taiwan, which China also claims is part of its territory, has said it does not accept Beijing's maps. I'm Gavin Trutzenbach, and that was your International News Report. I'm Seb Detuchis with your local news. New Jersey First Lady Tammy Murphy on Wednesday launched a bid for the Democratic nomination for U.S. Senate in next year's contest. Her candidacy, announced Wednesday, puts her in the running to become the first woman elected to the Senate from New Jersey. The Democratic primary already features Representative Andy Kim and could include Democratic Senator Bob Menendez, who has lost significant party support amid federal bribery charges but has not ruled out a run in 2024. Murphy, 58, is a constant at events alongside her husband, Democratic Governor Phil Murphy, and has taken on maternal and infant health and the environment as her top issues during her time as 
first lady, issue she highlighted in her announcement. A Virginia native and University of Virginia graduate, Tammy Murphy worked in finance at Goldman Sachs alongside Phil Murphy before the couple settled in New Jersey. Together, they have four children. Democrats picked up at least five seats in the assembly in this year's midterm legislative elections, a boon for the governor who is in the final two years of his second term. Those successes could translate into critical county support for the first lady, who campaigned alongside the governor to increase their party's legislative majorities. A number of key county party chairmen set candidate ballot positions, and support from the county party frequently leads to electoral success. Debbie Walsh, the director of the Center for American Women in Politics at Rutgers University, said the system, which could often surprise political newcomers, could work to elect a woman in the Senate in this case. Patricia Campos Medina, a political activist and labor leader, said she's also considering a run on the Democratic side, as she's heard from people that they're concerned about the possibility of losing a Latino voice in the U.S. Senate if Menendez does not return. She also said she thinks it's a moment of worker activism and, like Tammy Murphy, an opportunity to stand up for women's reproductive rights. On the GOP side, Mendham Mayor of Christine Serrano-Glaster is also seeking the Senate seat next year. New Jersey's primary is June 4th. A two-alarm fire erupted on the Atlantic City boardwalk on Wednesday afternoon. Crews were called to the scene shortly before 4 p.m. on the 1100 block of the boardwalk at Resorts Casino Hotel. According to officials, the flames began underneath the boardwalk and spread upward into the casino. The fire spread to the building's exterior wall and part of the sign above the boardwalk entrance. The video from the scene shows large plumes of smoke and flames coming from inside the building. The smoke and fire forced a brief evacuation of businesses located near the building's boardwalk entrance. However, officials says the casino floor remained open. Firefighters were able to put out the blaze at approximately 4.30 p.m. No injuries were reported at the scene, and the cause of the fire remains under investigation. At 8.49 p.m. near 7th Street and Oregon Avenue, three men were located suffering from gunshot wounds, police said. According to Philadelphia Police Chief Inspector Scott Small, more than 30 shell casings were found at the scene. A 38-year-old man was shot three times, once in the shoulder, the back, and the left hand. A 35-year-old man was shot twice in the back and once in the arm. And a 34-year-old man was shot once in the face. The bar's manager says that when looking at the security video, it seems as if a few people were targeted. In the security video, people can be seen talking and hanging outside of Murley's Cafe in South Philly when all of a sudden a car pulled up. Two people got out while shooting at people in the group. One of the shooters stood over a few people on the ground and continuously pulled the trigger before stomping on them. The shooter then ran inside the bar before quickly running out and getting back into the car that sped away. All of the victims were transported to the hospital and placed in stable condition. An Army veteran and Purple Heart recipient received a new home in Mays Landing for free. Building Homes for Heroes, a national nonprofit, worked with its partners, including Chase Bank, to gift a mortgage-free house, retrofitted for accessibility, to retired Army Sergeant First Class Richard Grimsley and his fiancée Lydia. SFC Grimsley served in the Army for nearly 20 years, and during his service, he received the Purple Heart and several other honors. His duty to serve led him to Iraq, where he was seriously injured with an IED and provided explosive device that went off. He's been diagnosed with post-traumatic stress disorder, a traumatic brain injury, and several other medical conditions. Building Homes for Heroes' Cody Brannon said SFC Grimsley's story is why they decided to gift him a mortgage-free home. Brannon said they've gifted 354 homes to veterans. A Patterson man is accused of stealing thousands of dollars worth of steak from a food distributions business. Daquan Hinton, 40, was charged with burglary and theft. The Wayne Police Department says Hinton was seen exiting Driscoll Foods while operating a pallet jack loaded with more than $3,000 worth of steak. Officials say Hinton gained entry to the facility through a bay door. He was released on a summons to appear in court. I'm Sam DeTuchis, and that was your local news. I'm Aiden Doherty with your Rowan News. Rowan University's Holiday Helper Auction benefits Toys for Tots. Student University Programmers welcomes community members to check items off their wish list during the 57th Annual Holiday Helper Auction that happened on Monday, November 13th. All proceeds from the auction benefited a local Toys for Tots campaign. The Holiday Helper Auction originated as Project Santa, a 24-hour radiothon founded by Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM to benefit Glassboro families 
during the holiday season. Over the decades, the annual fundraiser tested different fundraising methods, including dance competitions, jump rope-a-thons, a flea market, and a New Year's Eve party. For more than a decade, the holiday fundraiser has centered on an auction featuring interesting items that bidders cannot find anywhere else, especially the reoccurring favorite, Lunch with Rhone University President Ali Hushmand. In recent years, SUP has held the auction virtually, allowing more community members to participate. In honor of the centennial, Rowan is welcoming 100 Rowan University students to attend this unique end-of-semester gathering. This event is scheduled for Wednesday, December 6th at 6 p.m. and will be held in the Inon Ballroom of the Chamberlain Student Center. Current Rowan University students are invited to come together with members of the Rowan Alumni Board of Directors and the Rowan University Foundation Board to commemorate the end of the semester. Everyone will enjoy a delightful dinner, networking activities, and the opportunity to take home a special prize, which could be a gift basket or a gift. There's also mental health first aid training on December 13th. Join the Wellness Center for a training in mental health first aid on December 13th from 8.30 a.m. to 4.30 p.m. This day-long in-person training teaches participants how to assess a situation, listen, and refer to services or self-support options. Topics covered include anxiety, depression, trauma, substance use disorders, and other mental health subjects. Anyone in the Rowan community is welcome to attend. I'm Aiden Doherty. And that was your Rowan News. That does it for the first half of the Rowan Report, wrapping up this week's national, international, and local news. We are going to take a quick break. Up next, we have your weekly sports, business, and entertainment news. Stay tuned right here on Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM. Welcome back to the Rowan Report. I'm Riley Adams, along with the Rowan Radio News Team. I'm Jack Miller for the Rowan Report with your news from the professional sports world. After winning the NJAC, the Profs will host the first round of the NCAA Field Hockey Championship, taking on Hartwick College and finding the net first, and this one would be Sydney Pavlishin once again. That's now two goals from her in her last two games. Next up, it would be Vanessa DiDonato, who used her speed to get past defenders and just stretch one past the Hartwick goaltender, and Julia Caviccio would get in on the action as well, as she would send a slap shot rocket into goal, making it a 3-0 game. Late in the third quarter, Profs start in the corner, but it doesn't matter because Sienna Bosher is prepared to make it 4-0 with a subtle tap-in. The assist would go to DiDonato for that one. Profs might as well keep it going, and that's exactly what they do as Pavlishin gets goal number two on the day, bumping her numbers up to three goals in back-to-back games. Profs won 5-0, but would not make it out of the second round as they would fall to Tufts University 2-1, putting an end to their season. Although their season came to an end in the NCAA tournament, it was still a phenomenal year for the field hockey team once again. The men's basketball season got underway over the weekend. This would be interim head coach Eric Brennan's first game in the new position as the Profs head coach, as the Profs would get their season rolling, taking on Maryville College. Profs would get the win 94-90, following 26 points from Khalif Mears and 22 from Jazir Knoll. Profs would pluck win number two from the College of Wooster, just getting by 78-77. Khalif Mears had 18 points in this one, and get this, eight steals for the junior transfer student in his second game as a Prof. Junior guard Josh Wright was the hero this past weekend, as he 
iced the game against Wooster with two last-second free throws. Rowan's next game will be against Stockton Tuesday night at home at 7.30. They'll look to get off to a 4-0 start this season. The women's basketball team traveled up to Smith College in Massachusetts for a pair of games over the weekend, dropping the first 67-62 against Husson, but picking up the first one of the year in Game 2, a 67-54 triumph over Kane State, with Kate Hurley scoring a career-high 27 points. Their next game will be later today at 1 p.m. that will be broadcasted live on Run Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM. Switching over to Major League Baseball, a ton of regular season awards were announced this past week, including AL and NL MVP. Starting off with Rookie of the Year, Oriole shortstop Gunnar Henderson and D-backs outfielder Corbin Carroll won AL and NL Rookie of the Year awards both unanimously. The last time both Rookie of the Year winners were unanimous was back in 2017 when Aaron Judge and Cody Bellinger won their first year hardware. Blake Snell and Garrett Cole won the NL and AL Cy Young for 2023. This is Cole's first Cy Young after being a finalist four other years. Snell claims his second Cy Young and now has won the award both in the National and American League. Lastly, MVP was given to Shohei Otani and Ronald Acuna, also both unanimously. Otani wins his second and Acuna claims his first after 40 home runs and 70 stolen bases this season. Free agency has started, but no one has signed with anyone yet as Otani is the big name to move this offseason. The world awaits his decision. Again, I'm Jack Miller for the Roan Report with your news from the professional sports world. I'm Megan Steckler with your Roan Report business update. Wall Street is opening with stocks lower. This comes after a winning day on Wall Street Wednesday as investors celebrated the latest inflation data. On Thursday, new numbers show that import prices fell by 0.8% in October against expectations of 0.3%. At the opening bell, the Dow Jones Industrial Average, the S&P 500, and the Nasdaq were all trading lower. Unionized Starbucks baristas are going on strike for one day Thursday. Thousands of employees across the nation will hit the picket lines on the company's Red Cup Day, a popular promotional event when Starbucks gives out holiday-themed reusable cups. Workers are accusing the company of refusing to fairly negotiate at cafes that voted to organize. The Toyota Camry is going hybrid only. The redesigned version of the best-selling car in America is currently available both ways, but the 2025 version will only be sold as a hybrid. It'll join other Toyotas currently sold as hybrid only, including the Sienna minivan and Sequoia SUV. Consumers could see prices go down at the grocery store. After three years of heavy inflation, Walmart's CEO said the U.S. food industry could be heading into a period of deflation. Food prices have reportedly gone up 25% since the pandemic began. U.S. candy giant Mars is buying British luxury chocolate maker Hotel Chocolat. The deal is worth $662 million and sent stocks in Hotel Chocolat soaring after it was announced Thursday. Hotel Chocolat was founded 30 years ago and opened its first store almost 20 years ago. The brand has grown to have over 100 stores in the U.K., along with cafes, restaurants, and a luxury hotel with a working cocoa farm in the Caribbean. The company said the deal with Mars will allow it to grow its international market much more quickly. I'm Megan Steckler, and this has been your Business News Report. I'm Elle Lawton, and this is your Entertainment News. One of Disney's most popular franchises will be getting a fourth film. CEO Bob Iger said on Good Morning America that Disney Animation is working on a story for Frozen 4. Disney had previously confirmed a third installment is in the works. 
the original Frozen movie released in 2013, followed by Frozen 2 in 2019, combining for a total worldwide box office of over $2.7 billion. Hong Kong Disneyland Resort will debut its new World of Frozen Land next week. Donald Trump is calling Kim Kardashian the world's most overrated celebrity. The former president made the comment on Truth Social Wednesday while criticizing a new book out now about him called Tired of Winning. In his post, Trump claimed the book, quote, has the world's most overrated celebrity, Kim Kardashian, supposedly telling me that she would leverage her celebrity to get football stars to come to the White House if I would commute the sentences of various prisoners. Trump called the alleged claim fake news. Lil Uzi Vert has been removed from the Rolling Loud lineup after claims that the artist never agreed to play at the festival. Uzi's name was listed as a headliner, but the rapper publicly denied signing off on the gig. Future and Metro Boomin have replaced Uzi on the festival's lineup. Rolling Loud, which is coming to the Hollywood Park grounds in Inglewood, California, will feature other artists including Don Tolliver, Nicki Minaj, and Post Malone. Jimmy Kimmel is set to once again host the Oscars. Kimmel will host the 2024 ceremony, marking his fourth time leading the awards show. After hosting in 2017 and 2018, Kimmel returned this year as host as well, joining Whoopi Goldberg and Jack Lemmon as four-time hosts. Only Johnny Carson, Billy Crystal, and Bob Hope have hosted the ceremony more. The 96th Oscars will be held on March 10th. Billy Joel's final Madison Square Garden residency shows are all sold out. Piano man and rock icon Billy Joel will be playing his last tune at Madison Square Garden on July 25th next year. That'll be the six-time Grammy Award winner's 150th lifetime performance at the Garden, giving new meaning to the term residency. The Long Island native, who's 74, announced last June that he's moving out of MSG next summer. Now comes the announcement that tickets to Billy Joel's franchise Garden gig are gone. Kevin Hart is the recipient of the 25th Mark Twain Prize for American Humor. The comedian will accept his award on March 24th in a ceremony at the Kennedy Center. Named for the iconic novelist and humorist Samuel Clemens, commonly known by the pen name Mark Twain, the award was first presented in 1998 to Richard Pryor. Since then, it's been given to people like Bill Murray, David Letterman, Will Ferrell, and Adam Sandler. I'm Elle Lawton, and that's your entertainment news. And that wraps it up for this week's edition of The Rowan Report here on Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM. For the Rowan Radio News Team, I'm Riley Adams. Have a great day. You've been listening to The Rowan Report, a weekly news magazine that recaps local, national, and international news that affects you. Be sure to join us every Saturday morning at 9.30 for another edition of The Rowan Report, exclusively here on Rowan Radio, 89.7 WGLS-FM.